so as you know, we are looking at the importance of quiet time for our sermon series. And based on the book, Be Still. So in part one, we asked the question, why is it important to have devotional time with God? And we concluded that making space for God was making space for encountering God. In part two, we asked the question, why is it important to read scripture in our devotional time? And we concluded that God wants to speak to us through his holy word. In part three, we asked the question, how can we cultivate wonder in our devotional time? And we concluded that by noticing God in our ordinary experiences and by being thankful for them, we can experience awe. We can experience God. And today we'll be asking the question, what is the significance of hiddenness? What is the significance of hiddenness? Most of you know I lived and served at Lee Abbey Christian Community. Life on community at Lee Abbey felt like living a bit of a hidden life. It just felt removed from civilization. My dad said to me, it made a man of you, son. He doesn't speak like that, but... <laughs> Maybe because time spent in hiddenness prepared me for the moments of visibility that followed. Hiddenness. In our passage today, we're thinking about the prophet Elijah, the Tishbite, who appears out of nowhere in the story, and then as quickly as he came, he disappears, only to reappear, as you read on, three years later, to confront evil King Ahab and challenge the priests of the demon god Baal. The name Elijah means the Lord is my God, or Jehovah is my God. It's the most perfectly fitting name for him, for a man who'd been called to bring the people back from worshipping Baal to worshipping the Lord. King Ahab is described as an evil king because he had permitted his wife Jezebel to establish Baal worship across the nation of Israel. And furthermore, Jezebel wanted to eradicate the prophets of the Lord. This whole episode had dire consequences for Israel. The prophet Elijah was an important figure in Israel's history, and he's also important in the New Testament. John the Baptist was described as coming in the power and the spirit of Elijah. It was Elijah who appeared with Moses in the presence of Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Elijah is associated with being a prophet of power, the Lord's power. Scholars comment that Elijah wasn't a polished preacher, like perhaps Billy Graham. He wasn't a polished preacher like the prophets Isaiah or Jeremiah. He wasn't highly educated. He was a bit rough around the edges. But he challenged the people to abandon their idolatry and return to the Lord. He was a courageous man, a man of conviction, who confronted King Ahab head on. 
and rebuked him for leading the people astray by worshipping Baal. I don't know if you know much about Baal, but Baal was a Phoenician fertility god whose name means owner, master, or husband. Baal was worshipped as the sun god and the storm god. He was believed to send rain, grow crops, and produce children. That all sounds good to me, doesn't it to you? However, the rites and practices connected with Baal were unspeakably immoral. Ritual prostitution, infant sacrifices, and self-mutilation were all ways to express devotion and appease Baal. Not good. We can see why God hated him, can't we? Israel was completely dependent on the seasonal rains to produce successful crops, much like we are. If the rains stopped, there would be famine in the land. Throughout scripture, particularly in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord was clear that he required obedience to the covenant he made with his people. The land belonged to the Lord, but the people were defiling it with their idol worship and their sinful practices. Elijah had to warn them. He had to. After Elijah had pronounced this judgment on the nation, he went into hiding to a place called Kerith, and he would emerge after three and a half years of drought to face the priests of Baal on the Mount Carmel in a spectacular confrontation which we didn't read about this morning. It would become clear to everybody in that confrontation that Baal, the storm god, was no true god at all and he had no power, no power. After Elijah had left King Ahab's presence, Jezebel, his wife, instigated a campaign to massacre the prophets of the Lord. And as the drought and famine continued to hit the land, Elijah became a wanted man. King Ahab said of him that he was a troublemaker because he had brought the word of the Lord to the nation. The Lord told Elijah exactly where to go and hide. He wanted him to be safe and he offered him a place of safety by a brook east of the Jordan called Kerith. Does anyone here have a bird feeder in their garden? Many of you do. Many of you do. Imagine if instead of you bringing tasty nuts and seeds to the bird feeder for the birds every day, the birds brought you substantial bread and meat twice a day. Imagine that. How strange. That's what happened with Elijah. The birds brought him food. Elijah had safety and sustenance by the stream until the Lord moved him on. Ravens were considered to be an unclean bird in the religious context. But if God loves and feeds the ravens, he can certainly use them to help his servant as he did with Elijah. It's amazing, isn't it? 
the Lord told Elijah to go and hide yourself. And then after his period of hiddenness, the Lord commanded him to go and show himself. Whether he realized it or not, Elijah's experience at Kerith prepared him for his encounter at Carmel. It was part of his training for defeating the demonic god Baal and his priests. Hiddenness was valuable. Hiddenness prepared him for all that he would face in the future. It was in the place of hiddenness that Elijah's ears were tuned to hearing the voice of God. Through his hiddenness, Elijah learned he could trust God with his life and with the lives of others. Before he returned to confront the prophets of Baal, Elijah experienced the power of God's provision for him by miraculously providing food, shelter, company, because we read that he goes on to live with a widow and her son. And we go on to read that her son dies and God uses Elijah to resurrect him. Elijah is the prophet of power. And in that resurrection, we see a sign and a symbol of the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection that we will all experience in Christ's covering for us. Do you know that Elijah laid on the body of that boy three times and the boy's life returned to him? That's for another day, that sermon, but that's a good, that's a good message for us. But uh, let's stay focused. Hiddenness. God used Elijah in hiddenness to do wonderful things and Elijah experienced God's provision every day. Don't forget the context. The land was struggling. There was a drought. There was a famine. Yet Elijah had food every day as did the widow and her son. Okay. It was in the place of hiddenness that his ears were tuned to hearing the voice of God. And as we've said, Elijah experienced the miraculous power of God. In hiddenness, Elijah learnt dependency on God. In your hiddenness, in your quiet time, you learn dependency on God. What do we learn from Elijah? Elijah learned from experience that God would not lead him to a place where God's grace could not keep him. God would not lead him to a place where his grace could not keep him. In the place of hiddenness, he realized he was utterly helpless and completely reliant on God for everything, eventually even the charity of a poor pagan widow who expected to die but who found life in the presence of the prophet, in the presence of the Lord. Warren Wearsby said, the servant who is unwilling to be hidden and minister to a few people will never be ready to stand on Mount Carmel and call down fire and rain from heaven, which Elijah went on to do. Elijah loved the Lord and he proved himself faithful with small things. We've got to prove ourselves faithful with the small things 
that God is asking of us. In his hiddenness, Elijah revealed the power of God in Baal territory. Do you remember that gods were associated with physical land? Elijah was living in Baal territory. The people there worshipped Baal, the Canaanite pagan god. And here he was as a representative of the Lord. And here he was allowing the, the power of God to work through him in Baal territory. Proving that God's power was more powerful than Baal. It was in the hiddenness that Elijah was prepared for visibility and consequently victory in battle. When Elijah was at Kerith, the stream eventually dried up and he had to move on, didn't he? In a similar way, our devotional times and spiritual lives can sometimes feel dry, can feel labored, can feel difficult. But when things dry up, perhaps it may be time to change what we do. Sometimes the journey as disciples is hard and the stream dries up for a time, but you must never quit. We must never quit because the Lord wants to meet with you in the place of hiddenness, privacy, the secret place. The Lord wants to meet with you there just you and him. Waiting in hiddenness must have been incredibly difficult. But through the experience of being alone with God, with no distractions, Elijah saw God meet his needs in incredible ways every day. In hiddenness, he learned to know God more intimately and to trust God more deeply. The Lord did not fail him. We live in a culture that's obsessed with prominence, status and celebrity, don't we? Which is all promoted through connectedness, social media. How attractive does hiddenness sound to us in an age of showiness? We are all encouraged to show the world all the time what we're doing, what we look like, what we think, what our opinions are, what we believe. We live at a time where people are encouraged to seek recognition by any means possible, especially through social media. We're desperate for the affirmation of others. So many of us are desperate to be accepted by others and affirmed by them. But are we as desperate to encounter the one who knows us the best and loves us the most? Brian Heasley helps us to remember that a seed germinates in the darkness of soil. A baby develops hidden in the womb of its mother for nine months. The power lifter 
practices alone, day after day, week after week, year after year, for their performance, which lasts for less than a minute. Hiddenness is good for our egos. Hiddenness is the place where we learn to trust in God and realize our dependency upon him. In my personal experience, I've learned more about God in my hiddenness alone. When no one is watching than when others are present and watching. Brian Heasley argues, and I would agree with him, that our moments of hiddenness prepare us for the moments when we are visible. Our encounters with God in hiddenness help us to encounter others when we are visible. Question that sticks with me, who are you when no one is looking? Who are you when no one is looking? Spend as much time as you can in hiddenness with the Lord because he wants to build you up, strengthen you, show you what he is like and help you reflect who he is. Spend time in hiddenness. There is so much pressure to be seen, to have an online profile, to be, to be an online presence and have a strong voice in this digital age. We are bombarded with images that set unrealistic expectations of how to have the perfect life and the perfect body. We are expected to buy into that, to lap it up, to eat it, feed on it. And it's a waste of our energy and our time. In my experience, those things are completely unrealistic and they're empty. And they only leave you feeling sad and lonely. Hiddenness is not valued or invested in enough in our society. Maybe if some of us are honest, we love recognition and the thought that we may not receive it saddens us. In his hiddenness, Elijah trusted the Lord and was dependent upon him, growing in character and growing in confidence not in his own abilities, but in what God could do through him. Having devotional time with God in hiddenness is really important because it's his voice that matters the most. We're bombarded with voices. All kinds of opinions. It's his voice that matters the most because he's the one that loves you the most. He's the one that speaks the truth. No fake news with God. Truth, honesty, liberation in God. He's the one that's worthy to listen to. What can we do to block out those negative Voices, those negative opinions.
opinions. Have time with the Lord in hiddenness. Listen to his voice. Because he has the best for you and for your life. And he, he does not want to bring you down. He wants to lift you up. He wants to make you know that you have value and worth in him. He wants to give you purpose, just like he gave Elijah purpose. Elijah, in some ways, became a nobody, fleeing from his land to a pagan foreign land, alone. He became a nobody. But God was with him every day, and God built him up, showing him who he was every day, until eventually the power of God would work miraculously through him, and the nation would be restored. I'm coming into land. So what's the significance of hiddenness? Our encounters with God in hiddenness help us to, encounters other, to encounter others when we are visible. Just like Elijah, our time in hiddenness builds our trust and our character. Do you want your character to be built? I do. Do, I, do you want to trust the Lord when things are difficult? I do. Hiddenness gives us the opportunity to build trust and confidence in God. So, you know I love pillars. So, part one. Pillar one, making space is foundational for encounter. Pillar two, reading scripture is foundational for growth. Pillar three, wonder creates thankfulness which leads to worship. And pillar four today, placing ourselves in hiddenness prepares us for visibility. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to not be afraid of hiddenness and quiet times. In our hiddenness, may we each encounter you. May we hear the whisper of your voice. May we tune our ears to hear you. May we see your miraculous hand at work in our lives. May we believe that you can do all things. Help each of us to trust in you more. And I pray for each one of us that we may see you move this week. In Jesus' name, amen.